Cougs house. All right. So if you hadn't heard the news yet, new offensive line coach officially going to be coming in. Brandon Jones is on the way out. Let's break down what happened, what's going on, what could come next right now. You are locked on Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs, the daily podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach Parker Andrews, here to break down all things Cougs. If you're a VH fan, just a hater can step by, please be sure to subscribe down below. That way you can get the latest in your news feed from the Houston Cougs each and every day. We appreciate you making Locked On Cougs your first listen of the day. Welcome back to the YouTube channel. It's good to see you again. Uh, remember, we're going to get to a giveaway with our buddies at Sparkle at 500. Uh, 500 subscribers so a we're at about 480 so we're very very close make sure you start hitting that subscribe button to get us there to be entered to win you gotta be leaving comments on the videos today we're talking a lot about football if that's not your jam i know university houston's got a lot of basketball fans across the country obviously um you can comment below or if you just don't want to talk about you know coach brandon jones the offensive line i guess comment below and tell us uh in honor of offensive line coaches do you like pancakes or waffles now we're going to talk some about Brandon Jones and his impact on Houston in the first segment. Um, kind of A, what went well, and B, what ultimately went wrong. And then in the uh, second segment, we're going to look a little bit more at like who could be coming in for Jones. Um, these are completely unreported. This news broke on Monday night. You're listening to this on Tuesday morning. Like you and I are just sitting here and talking about this right now. Um, and so in that second segment, we're looking at like what offensive line coaches are out there that could use promotion and working for a team like U of H. I don't want to go after fired people necessarily. So I got three guys in mind. And then in the third segment, uh, we are going to shift gears back to a brief basketball bit. Houston did fall to number three in the AP ranking. And it's going to look a little bit at what the rankings look like on that. But first, as to about Brandon Jones, I think first we need to make sure we give a caps off to all things Jones uh, and his time at U of H. Now his time at the university of Houston was uh, impressive he got here uh, after a brief stint at Texas Tech and was uh, came in 2019, kind of saw the like bl- explosion under the Holgerson era. Um, and I say explosion. I know there's some people, I mean, I can already see the comments flying. Oh, explosion. What are you talking about? We won eight and five this year. What I will say is the Holgerson era brought a renewed level of expectations to Houston um, that he may have denied himself ultimately, but it really was a different vibe with him stepping on campus. Um, and frankly, um, it was kind of felt like a guy that was here to stay, whereas like major, maybe not. And Herman, maybe not. And uh, no, Holgerson's here to stay. And a big part of that was um, part of that's the money, I guess. But the big part of that on the coaching staff was the offensive output. Um, obviously Clayton Toon and Tank Dell had a big role in that, but the offensive line play was phenomenal even in an eight and five season. Um, Brandon Jones was also promoted to the running game coordinator in 2021, right before Houston went 12 and two. And I think that's important to, um, to remember and to put up like when talking about the Brandon Jones time at U of H um, it's surprising to see him fired on a Monday night um, or the leaking of him being fired on Monday night. I guess nothing official is out. The leak went to, uh, 24-7 sports, and it's kind of hit the Twitter waves and being confirmed by Duarte and stuff like that. Um, but it's surprising because 
his on-the-field product had kind of been on the up-and-up. He came in 2019 from Texas Tech. Since 2019, he's had six different all-conference offensive linemen under his tutelage, including Patrick Paul, who made it two times. And frankly, a big, big success is keeping Patrick Paul. There are a lot of people that were assuming after two times as an all-conference guy in the American Conference, he might be looking to either transfer to a bigger program or even look at his pro prospects. Um, and instead, as a Houston at least left, he may end up playing right tackle if they find another tackle in the transfer portal or something like that, either at the last bit of this window or in the next. But he's at least going to be a starter on the offensive line again. He's the best offensive lineman on the team, best offensive lineman Houston's had in a minute. Um, worth pointing out that Jones does know what he's doing. He also coached three offensive linemen in his two years at Texas Tech that would eventually go pro. Um, they didn't go pro directly necessarily after him because he was there so short. Um, but I, I think that's more evidence to show that he kind of knows what he's doing when it comes to coaching the big fellows up front. And it's a very important position. It's kind of classic thing where all five of them are important on their own right. But then they also have to be like in sync, like a fist, right? If you're listening on the audio board version, making a fist, no single finger is very strong, but as a fist, you get hit in the face. Obviously it's a little bit stronger. Um, I have to say that I also think, you know, Holgerson does not run, uh, we'll say the easiest offense to coach in. Um, it's kind of sporadic. It's a lot of RPO. It's like a lot of chaos and frankly, a lot of stress on I, the way to get after it is to get after the passer. And Houston did a great job of keeping Clayton Toon clean the last two seasons. That's a big, big reason they had the success that they had offensively. And frankly, even in the like rough spots of the 2022 season, you could kind of guarantee that Clayton Toon wasn't going to be under a whole lot of pressure. That, that's, again, I think a credit to Brandon Jones and the work they did up front. Um, where this ultimately fell apart for Jones, I think, has to be on the recruiting side of things. Um, you know, his highest two recruited offensive linemen as far as like stars and rankings and prospect grades and stuff like that goes, ended up transferring. Uh, Derek Bowman is now at South Florida and Carson Walker is at Abilene Christian. Um, and as Houston looks to move it into the big 12, that's not just guys transferring out. That's guys transferring down a division in a lot of ways, right? Going from a, you know, they just stayed on Houston to be on a power five team transferring down to a, you know, we'll say group of five team. Um, you know, that's not to say that Bowman and Walker can't be successful. And there have been division three offensive linemen that go to the NFL, but it is to say that like, that is an interesting way to look at his eye for talent. And I think that's gotta be the only thing that's a hole in his resume is he's turned offensive linemen into great offensive linemen. He hasn't brought them to campus in quite the same way. Um, you know, the guys he worked with at Texas tech, were guys that were there when he got there as freshmen or redshirt freshmen, and then he eventually turned them into pros. The guys that he's turned into all-conference guys at University of Houston have by and large been guys that were either here or in the pipeline to come when he got here in 2019. And I think that that has got to be where this thing fell apart because I can't see a visible hole in offensive line play under him. The promotion to, to run game coordinator in 2021, I think – Whatever you think about the run game, I don't think they run the ball enough. That's not necessarily that they had bad run plays. Um, but that all said, I, I think that that's, again, not necessarily a ding on him. He doesn't get to call the plays necessarily. It's just when they need a run, they ask him which one to do. So I I don't know. He was clearly, um, as of the you know right before the season in August, he was the highest paid assistant on staff. Um, you know, he's the top 20 offensive line coaches paid in the country. 
Um, and I think that that's a big, big pair of shoes to fill. Uh, no pun intended on the offensive line thing. I think that's a very, very important position, especially in Dana Holgerson's offense where so much gets put on the quarterback's shoulders. You got to make sure that those shoulders are clean. And that comes down to the big fellas in front of him. Now, I, I say I'll just say that, A, um, I hope that Brandon Jones does land on his feet somewhere where he can continue to be successful. Um, and it's a shame that the recruiting thing didn't work out and, and may have been the final uh, you know, nail in the coffin, so to speak, here in Houston. I will say um, that there was a lot of reporting on recruits he just kind of missed out on in this last recruiting cycle at U of H. And while he, has, he is returning five offensive line starters, which makes an enticing job for the next guy, he also lost a lot of his underclassmen guys that weren't really seeing the field to the transfer portal. And I think that that speaks too from guys like not quite buying in to this idea that they were going to get developed without playing on the field. Um, again, no issues with his on the field product, but those are kinds of things that in running a big 12 program and kind of turning this into a machine, you kind of have to have. And it'll be interesting to see who Houston brings in to replace him. Um, in the second segment, I want to get into that. But before we get into the second segment, I want to talk to you a little bit about our newest friends here at Locked On Sports, our friends at FanDuel. Now, the NFL playoffs are here, and we're all really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're great. Uh, they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. If you're new to FanDuel, it's even better. They have so many great features to get you betting on sports that it's so fun and easy. New customers join today, get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed. When you place your first $5 bet, just sign up at fanduel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from money line to point spreads to player pops and everything in between. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a bigger chance, a bigger payout with the same game parlay. Um, I have to say, I was looking at this because this is our new sponsor, and I was like, oh man, let me check this out. And it's super fun and super easy to get involved in. Um, I will say that I didn't quite get to Wednesday night's basketball games yet on Tuesday night. The one that drew my attention is that Kansas state TCU matchup. Kansas state had a heck of a week. Um, sorry, it's Kansas state and Iowa state that misspoke just all the purple Kansas state, Iowa state, Kansas state had a heck of a week, but they're favoring Iowa state by four and a half points at home. I'm thinking I'm taking the number five overall Kansas state Wildcats um, to at least keep it closer than that. They played Kansas tooth and nail. It's a little bit of a rivalry game, um, but I, I also hold Kansas in higher esteem than Iowa State. So I'm thinking about doing that there. I will say the over under set at 134 and a half. And if Kansas State's going to win this, they'll probably keep it under that. And frankly, from what I have watched of Iowa State, which admittedly is not as much as a handful of teams uh, or a handful of other people and analysts out there, I'd also imagine they keep it under. So I would hit, you know, I'd hit Kansas State plus four and a half and uh, under the one uh, thirty-four and a half. There, the more important bet I think for University of Houston Cougar basketball fans though will be for March Madness. They have Houston at plus six hundred to win the whole thing, um, and they have Houston at plus 110 to make the final four. I'm not telling you how to place your bets. I totally get the emotional hedge if you want to bet against the idea of Houston making it to the final four to kind of like make sure you're happy both ways. But if you're going to bet for them to get to the final four, you might as well hit the plus 600 if they win the whole thing because the final four is in their backyard. So if you have any inkling to bet on that, 
Make sure you also go bet on them to win it at plus 600. That's my advice. I'm telling you to go do it at FanDuel. Don't miss out. Place your $5 bet to get $150 in free bets. Win or, lo- win or lose at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports book partner of the NFL. All right, so in looking at um, possible replacements for uh, for for Brandon Jones, I was looking at a handful of guys, and I want to talk through my criteria for this first. But guys that are at kind of, we'll say, smaller programs that have like the capability of coaching in a bigger program, and understand that like Houston could be a big step up. So when I'm looking at guys, I'm not looking at like, can we go steal the offensive line and offensive coordinator from Baylor? Like they're already in the big 12. Honestly, Houston probably needs a few years of that TV contract money to pay that guy. Right. That's not quite where my head's at on this hire. That said, if that's where Houston goes, I'm not opposed to it. Right. I'm not saying to go get uh, you know, football scoops assistant coach of the year was the Michigan offensive line coach, the current one. And honestly, I, that'd be great. I don't think Houston's rolling out $900,000 for that. Again, the highest Brandon Jones, is the highest paid assistant coach on staff and he was making 500,000. Right. So I think the big 12 TV money will get Houston there, but that's not where I'm going to like place my bets, which I would do at FanDuel. Uh, that's not going to be where I place my bets on this one. Um, I'm thinking probably more likely looking at, a couple guys from smaller schools that want to get into a power five conference and Houston is kind of their way in the same way that you're seeing transfers like Donovan Smith is using Houston to stay in the power five uh, or, or things like that. Right. With that said, I try to also focus on guys that have success at other levels of football too. For instance, my first coach I'm looking at is um, he's a run game coordinator or offensive coordinator and offensive line coach. I'm sorry. He's a true offensive coordinator, offensive line coach. At Southern Miss, his name is Sam Gregg. He also coached at Liberty as the offensive line coach for the last three years before this past season, so 2019, 20, and 21. Um, Liberty had a crazy amount of offensive success in his run there. Uh, was top, top 50 nationally in offense all three seasons. Um, and finished the 2020 campaign ranked top 15. Um, that's three winning seasons for Liberty, and Liberty's not known for their winning seasons in football at all. Um, and then he ends up as the OC at Southern Miss. Now, Southern Miss is not a program to sneeze at. I don't mean that at all. And being the OC is a great thing. But I have to imagine he's eager to get his show into a Big 12 Power 5 type of system and Power 5 type of donors and recruiting and all that kind of good fun. And I think Houston would be a great place for him to do it. He already runs a lot of moving pocket and screen game kind of stuff um, as an offensive corner this year at Southern Miss. So it kind of feels like it's in his bag. And frankly, that is not exactly what Dana does, but it does mesh up fairly well, I feel like. And I feel like that's an interesting thing to do there. As far as individual coaching success, he had four offensive linemen in his three years at Liberty that were, quote, all independent uh, like all independent Americans. Now I think that's interesting because a, I didn't know that they did all the independents and like did an all independent team, but that means his guys are competing with the guys in BYU, Notre Dame and all the independents across the country for those spots. And that's pretty impressive when you factor in 
how much smaller things like the recruiting budget is at Liberty for him to go get guys and turn them in to that. So Sam Gregg would be at, you know, near the top of my list as far as guys. I'm just like looking across the country that I think are realistic, but would be worth getting. Um, another guy I'm looking at is Ed Warner, Ed War- Warriner, W-A-R-I-N-N-E-R, not Warner. There's two very different people. Um, he was the offensive line and run game coordinator at FAU. Um, say what you will about FAU, but at FAU, at FAU, they ran a fairly explosive offense this year. And I was impressed in watching um, their system because they were home run hitting big play type guys. And as an offensive line coach, that means you've got to give up you know, you got to give your guy time to get the ball downfield. And they consistently did that. Um, now, he had a long, long resume before he got to FAU. And what I, I'm encouraged by as a U of H guy, because we're looking at getting into the Big 12 and the Power 5 Conference, is he'd been at Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Kansas, uh, Illinois, Michigan State. He'd been in a, a bunch of different places over the course of 33 years in college football. And I think that all that like experience would be great to have on staff as you're moving into a big conference. The other thing I'll say is while he was at Michigan in his second season, all five of his offensive linemen earned some all conference uh, award at their first team, second team, third team in the big 10, a conference known for producing top caliber NFL ready offensive linemen. And so he clearly understands how to work with highly talented kids and clearly knows how to like maximize their talent. I think it's easier to forget that like before he got there, um, and what was it in 2019? I'm doing math, right? He got there. Um, they were kind of in the doldrums of the conference, right? They lost to Ohio State a bunch of times. And that's when they started bringing Harbaugh and all those kinds of things to fix things. And he's one of the Harbaugh hires that ends up moving on to get a little bit more of a promotion at FAU. I think the deal is, is he could be, the run game coordinator, offensive line coach, had the exact same job title at Houston, but it becomes a promotion for him because of the move up. Whereas at all these previous Power Five stops, um, he'd been the offensive line coach on its own. Um, I guess at Minnesota, he had a brief stint there as the offensive line coach and run game coordinator, um, but they had him all one season, right? Like it wasn't clearly something to work out in Minnesota. Um, I will say that a lot of the staff turned over after the 2017 season. And so that may have been bigger picture than him. As far as schematic go, he runs a lot of, uh, he's been a part of offense that run a lot of RPO and moving pocket kind of stuff. I think that that's the kind of stuff that I've seen Houston be successful with under Dana as well. Um, I say, I think because I want to see more of the RPO stuff for sure. I know Dana's, you know, got his tendencies and we have a whole long offseason breakdown what spring game looks like and stuff like that. But I do think that um, I would look at Ed Warner as a real candidate for this job because it'd be a way for him to kind of backdoor back into the power five. And he's only spent a handful of years in his 33 years of assistant coaching across the league, across college football, um, not in the power five. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, if Ed Warner is kind of the old vet, I'm also looking at Daryl Agpalsa. Um, he's a little bit younger guy. Uh, he has been at Northern Illinois University since 2019. He was at University of Buffalo before that. Um, he is the run game specialist and offensive line coach there. Um, he also is an assistant head coach, if you value those kinds of things. Um, they've won back-to-back MAC championships. Um, he's had three starters in his first, se- or his first season as the 
offensive line uh, coach and run game specialist. He had three offensive linemen earn all Mac. Um, he's a really, really talented coach. If you look at the guy, things those guys do on the field, because when he got there, um, Northern Illinois, Illinois was also kind of in his rebuilding spot and he's got them at, you know, the top of the conference as far as offense goes. Um, he did kind of the same thing. If you look at his uh, time spent at, at Buffalo working with the bulls. Um, and also here's the thing I like about him. He brings um, a lot of background uh, from the, you know, Hawaiian Pacific Island. Uh, and I think, a, if you look at the rosters where he's been, he has clear recruiting ties there. It's kind of an untapped market for the U of H in recruiting. And B, <laughs> you know, they typically is where you find a lot of linemen. <laughs> and if we have guys that can recruit Houston in the Houston area and keep Houston guys, let's go and get some big linemen too, right? Um, now, he also, um, and this is probably where, you know, plugs at my heartstrings, was the offensive line coach at powerhouse wisconsin whitewater the d3 level for a number of years um and that was kind of where he got his coaching start and if you are not familiar with tiny school division three college football wisconsin whitewater was putting out pros every couple of years at a division that does not have athletic scholarships like it is that kind of a program and while recruiting is obviously a big big deal at that level finding the diamond in the rough that is it's also worth noting that that takes a high level of coaching to turn those kinds of talents into pro level talents again former division three that kind of talent right like like that's what we're talking about here um and so i will say that that plucks at a couple of heartstrings in mind like oh this is a guy that again houston would be a step up with the exact same job because of the step up in conference and so that's kind of what i'm thinking there um those are the three guys i want to see or I would like to see come interview. I think that have good resumes and impressive resumes that would realistically consider Houston. If you've got similar guys or thinking full of crap, let me know in the comments below because I would like to know what you're thinking as far as who can come and replace the offensive line coach or who could do as good a job on the field while maybe tying up some loose ends and recruiting. In our third segment, we are going to look at college basketball a little bit. Um, and I, I feel like, I've got to um, preface this by saying this is really because I was pleasantly surprised with the AP poll on um, on Monday. So let's dive into that in the third segment. All right. Um, like I said, I was pleasantly surprised in the uh, in, in the poll results and the AP poll came out. Houston just dropped two spots from number one overall, number three overall. I think what happened there in the AP poll is a voters understood that it's college basketball. Weird stuff happens. Kansas lost twice. Kansas state's in the top five, like weird, weird things are happening in college basketball. It's also just January. I also think it's worth pointing out that like, if you look at the game itself and it was on ESPN, so I guess it was fairly accessible for people to watch. Um, Houston really just shot the ball poorly. Um, the more and more you replay that game, um, they got one-on-one actions and shots out of it that while I'm still fairly critical of like, if they're not falling, we need to find better actions than just one-on-one actions. Um, they're shots you've seen Houston make plenty of times. And uh, while Houston did not receive any number one overall votes in this AP poll, I think that's fairly understandable because they are a two loss team in a non power five conference. And Purdue is a one loss team in a power five conference. Alabama is a two loss team in a power five conference. And, 
beat Houston um, directly, right? We got to remember that game did happen. Uh, as weird as I feel like Houston does win a seven game series, that's not for this conversation either. Um, right behind them was Tennessee and Kansas State and Arizona. I was worried, and I, I if you remember our conversation yesterday, I was worried that each of them would actually leapfrog Houston and kind of bump Houston back to more like about six, seven, eight spot. That's not what happened. And I think part of that is, like I mentioned, that people could watch the game and see the shots. And the other part I think is, is that analytically, Houston is still the best team in the country, um, both in the net rankings and in Kimpom and other things that take in all kinds of offensive efficiency, defensive efficiency, uh, you know, tries to compare you against your league average. So like the fact that Houston is keeping teams at 20% lower than their season average is almost more impressive for Ken Palm and net rankings than that. They're keeping teams to 50 points a game. Right. Um, so those kinds of factors are all really, really important in this. And what's I think interesting is that, you know, in both net rankings and Ken Palm, a lot of the top 10 teams are just kind of mixed up in order and they both have Houston at the top. Uh, so then the you go to the AP poll and Houston is not far off of the top. And so what's going to happen here very quickly is you'll see something like Purdue drop one in a couple of weeks because I don't think the Big Ten's that good. And we'll talk about that in a different episode, I'm sure. Or Alabama will drop one to Tennessee and Tennessee will kind of leapfrog Houston or something like. But Houston will kind of still to continue to float as long as they keep winning in this top two, three area, at least. Um, might not be number one for a minute, but the goal is to be number one in April not necessarily be number one between now and then. Like I said, Coach Sampson always said it's a rental. It kind of feels like that right now. Um, all of that is to say that these games in the American are super important because even in Power 5 conferences, like TCU is the highest ranked four-loss team at 11. Houston can't get a third and fourth loss and fall that far back. Now, a third loss would not be a nail in the coffin, but a fourth loss especially before conference tournament play, we really, really tough to swallow. Now, Houston plays Central Florida on Wednesday night in basketball, and Central Florida still has Taylor Hendricks, but is not the same uh, same Central Florida as they saw on New Year's Eve. Um, so we're going to break that game down in tomorrow's episode, um, give a little preview of it, and then hopefully break down a win in Thursday's episode. And then Friday, we've got a number of different things I want to do. So it might end up being two episodes. We will see. Um, but one thing we got to do Friday is preview the second Cincinnati matchup. That's two really difficult games for Houston this week in basketball. And I have to say, um, if they can win both those games, uh, you know, Tennessee plays Texas. That could be a tough matchup. One of them loses. Um, Alabama also plays in the big 12 ICC showdown. Um, and so like, there's potential losses afoot in front of us. And Houston could very well be back in the top three next week after an impressive win uh, or two this week. Hopefully get both. I think there's a, there's a real shot to get both. Um, and frankly, if they convincingly got both, I think you'd almost talk yourself into that uh, Temple game being kind of a trap game. We're going to break that down all week long here at Lockdown Cougs. Make sure you tune in each day for the latest in the Houston Cougars. Happy to talk to you about the Houston Cougars all day, every day at Painsworth 512 is P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H 512 on Twitter, Instagram, Be Real, TikTok, whatever, all your social media handles. Find me at Painsworth 512. I'll talk Cougar football, Cougar basketball. Houston Rockets won on uh, Monday night, so shout out to that. Uh, the Houston Astros, 
Houston Texans, I guess we can talk some about them. They're kind of depressing. Whatever you want to talk to Houston sports, I got a wall of sneakers behind me too. I like Michael Jordan, that kind of stuff. If you want to talk about all kinds of things, basketball related, I'm there for that. So find me at Painsworth512. Thank you so much for making the Locked on Coos your first listen of the day. If you're looking for a second listen of the day, let me recommend Locked on Rockets because they won on Monday night. And I think when you hear Jackson in a good mood, he's in a really, really rough season, Locked on Rockets. Let's go listen to him get a little bit happy about the fact they won in a game on Monday night. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Locked on Cougs, a proud member of the Locked on Podcast Network. That's your team every day. Go Cougs.